You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So I'm excited. Here's my other hat. (laughs) I've been wound up, and I'll tell you what, I did sleep last night. And not only did I sleep, but the Lord gave me a dream. <laughs> and you know what's so fun about that is, is actually the dream actually wasn't for you all yet. The dream was a leveling up for me. <laughs> and I said, God, look at how just good you are to minister to me in my sleep about what you're doing in me. Because last night we were in here together in prayer and we were praying over what the Lord is doing in you but there is a work that the Lord is doing in me. (laughs) And I want to just keep going. Brooke shared this, but I just want to keep going to this higher place with the Lord in worship in all kinds of areas. But this month we've been focusing on worship. So Kingston taught um, actually the first week, and then he talked about posturing our heart and about it being this default place, like doing it with intention so that no matter what is going on, you are ready to posture in a place before the Lord. And he talked a little bit about David. And we, got, we know already that the Lord said about David that he is, was a man after God's own heart. So we're actually going to get into a lot about David today. So, and then Mackenzie, she taught last week. And part of what she taught, she ministered out of Luke about not letting the rocks cry out. So Jesus was going into Jerusalem at that time, and his disciples were praising him and what was going on. And um, the Pharisees actually wanted Jesus to tell his disciples to be quiet, (laughs) correct them. And Jesus said, if they don't, the rocks will cry out. Jesus knew that honor will not be withheld to the name of Jesus. It will go to its highest place that is intended to be all of the time. And so I love that picture. It is a call to us. And there is things going on inside of you guys. I've been hearing things from the Lord over the last few weeks. And then I've heard things from your mouths about what the Lord is doing. There's people that have been dreaming. There's people that the Lord is talking to them about their place of worship with the Lord. And I love that. Because that, that is the Lord's heart, to continue to take the word of the Lord that you are hearing and go back to this place with the Lord and say, Father, do the work in me. Do the work in me so that I come and I put you at the highest place, the place that you deserve to be in my mind all of the time. So, amen? Okay, so there's breakthrough happening in this place, too. <laughs> Let me just say that, like last week, um, you know, there was just another level of worship that went on. And I'm just going to say to you that I know it was good. And so I'm just, and we're not going back. (laughs) We're not going back. We're building up on what the Lord is doing. And there's people that have said, like, I don't understand worship. (laughs) I, I don't know the why. And I will tell you, the Lord has done so much in me about worship, but when Pastor Ken actually asked me to be a part of teaching on worship, guess what I had to do? I had to go hear from the Lord about my why. (laughs) I could give you small whys and just a posture and a heart thing and um, things that the Holy Spirit just has ministered to me, but like coming to a place of preparing something to give you a very deep why from the word of God, I had to go back with the Lord and said, Father, now I will tell you, he has done a deep why within me. I own this now. (laughs) I've put it into words. And the thing I want to say to you is you're going to hear a lot from me. I only know how to run. That's what I do. So you're going to hear a lot. I mean, like I got like 15 verses or something. So you're going to hear a lot. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, just buckle up. It's okay. You're going to have to go back and listen to the teaching. Um, write things down if you want, or just posture yourself to listen. We're going to pull a lot of scripture up on the overhead. I'm just preparing you for what's coming. We're going to pull a lot of stuff up on the overhead, and so you can read from there because you might feel like, hey, this is moving along pretty fast. Some of it's going to feel like things you've already heard before about the Lord, but the Lord's given me some pieces just to help you connect and go into a deeper place. So if what you need to do is just read up there, then just read up there. But we are going in to this higher place and I'm so excited about it. Amen. Hallelujah. So Ron mentioned about a bold obedience. 
so that's what Pastor Kent, when he was listening to um, Kingston and Mackenzie and I talking about things from the Lord and worship, this is what mine got titled <laughs> after just discussion about what the Lord was doing. And I will tell you guys too, like I, anybody that spent any time with me and worship, it's a pretty radical place. And I don't apologize for that ever. It's going to get more radical. I mean, I dreamt again last night, so it's going to get more radical, but all of it comes from a place. Um, and for you to know, it's not about what the Lord is doing in me. It is about what the Lord is doing in you and what the Lord is doing in us. And so there's movement that's going to go on in your heart today. And, I, and back to this place of the why, it's very important because I've had people say, I don't understand why y'all worship like this. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you, the Lord is just going to put a whole lot of why out there for you so that you can enter into deeper conversations with people about your why. Amen? So it's going to be good. So um, let's pull up first here. We're going to pull up Amos 9, 11 through 13. So this is a picture here of the work that the Lord is doing on the earth right now. Okay, so God is rebuilding a tabernacle of praise in the last days. And so let's actually read this. It says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damage. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Or you can look back and see that that means Adam or man is another way to look at that. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, I know, yeah? Somebody said, ooh, the Lord does this thing. Behold, the days of, um, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Well, that's a lot right there. I'm not going to hang out in this place very much because I have so much I want to say to you, but I want you to know that the Lord's intent in last days is to see the tabernacle of David be restored and be rebuilt. Why? Why is that? And it's a work. It's a posture. It's a praise. It's a house of praise. So why is the Lord saying that? And so I want to get into talking about a lot of things about David. So a shift was, I'm going to have to look at my notes a lot. Like, I'm just, I like to just talk, and I like to walk, but I have so much to give you that the Lord said, stay on it, stay on it, and give it out, so it's going to be good. So um, there was a shift happening on the earth in the time of David. I don't know if anybody's ever really thought about that, but when we think about David being a man after God's own heart, why did God say that? And I, got, I went into a much deeper place with the Lord about why he was saying that. So I'm not going to read this part to you, but in 1 Samuel 13, 14, um, Samuel, this is the place that actually Samuel the prophet's identifying that David was, in fact, the man after God's own heart. But that's, let's look together here at Acts 13, 22 through 23. And I want you to see some things going on here. It was David's seed God raised up as a savior. Okay, it was David's seed. And when he had removed him, he raised up from them David as king. And so he's talking about removing Saul. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. I know. So Apostle Paul is talking right here, and he's telling us what was true about what Samuel had prophesied and what happened with David, and that, in fact, it was through David's seed that the Lord was raising up a Savior. And I don't know if you guys have thought about that a lot, but when we hear in Scripture, and it's talking about people saying being a son of David,
all right, no problem. Now we got to mic check this whole thing. I'm going to talky talk until we get it figured out. Hallelujah. Yep. Okay. I'd actually rather go back to that. When you're done with that, I'm going to go back to that one. It's no problem, right? <laughs> and actually, the enemy likes to use things like this like a distraction. Like, it's been a long time since we've had a mic die around here because these guys have been, like, on it, on it, on it. And so the enemy likes to just use stuff as distractions. So everybody just throw it out right now and don't let it have an ounce, okay? So, um, okay, so God, I wanted to talk about right here. So I said that Jesus, the Lord, actually, there's something going on in the earth because God is actually saying it is from David that I'm going to actually raise up a king. So even we can hear like in the temple um, when Jesus was like clearing it out because he didn't like what was going on and um, then healings were, were taking place that actually the children rose up and they began to say, Hosanna to the son of David. Even the children knew the lineage in which Jesus came from. Why? <laughs> Why? And so we're just going to keep going into that place. So 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, this is going to be some things that you're familiar with already, but there's some new pieces that the Lord's going to have me highlight, and that's where I want to actually hang out with you guys. So um, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, I'm going to turn around actually to read it. Mark's looking at it saying, I don't know what to do with all that. It's no problem. You did it. You did just what I need you to do. I know. He's a good man. He's a good, listen, I'm going to take the moment that he's a good man. <laughs> and he constantly encourages me and prays for me. And he does not ever slow me down. He doesn't. He'll, he'll speak right into it. He'll be like, you're running. I got to tell you something. I'll be like, I got it. I hear you. It's no problem, but he doesn't slow me down. I love this man. So it's so good. Okay, let's read 1 Samuel um, 16, 1 through 13. A lot of verses, going to be things you're familiar with. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, to Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Go back real quick. I provided myself a king among his sons. The Lord provided for himself a king among his sons. You got you to gotta get that, okay? So go ahead and keep going. And Samuel said, how can I go? <laughs> we would all say things like this. If I hear, if Saul hears it, he will kill me. <laughs> but the Lord said, take a heifer with you, just offer him something, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one I name. Oh, wait, no, no. You shall anoint for me <laughs> the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and they said, Do you come peaceably? <laughs> and he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. It's going to be okay. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For, the, for man looks at the outward appearance, but... The Lord looks at the heart. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad. <laughs> go ahead and go to the next one. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Over there. <laughs> and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. I love that honor right away. <laughs> so he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy 
with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So the spirit of the Lord is now upon David. This is so key for us to know as New Testament believers about the spirit of the Lord being on, upon us. Because David had the spirit of Lord upon him from that day. <laughs> I love it. Let me open my notes again real quick. So I want to review just a couple things that actually happen here. So shifts going on. The Lord's actually saying, I'm rising up a savior from him. The Lord is saying, I have provided myself a king among his sons, and the Lord has anointed him, and the Lord has said, I have put my spirit upon him. So David knew that um, now all of the things that were going to go on in his time, so he killed Goliath after this time, and there was so much miraculousness that went on. And actually, David was actually, Kingston actually mentioned this, that David was actually able to come and play and worship before the king. There was a soothing spirit upon David, and it drove out the, the wicked and the evil things that were not of God. And so David was actually able to then begin to minister to the king was in place, even though he knew he was going to be the king that was in place, what the Lord had actually called him to. So David begins to break a mold that's going on. And again, we're going back to the why. Like, what is actually happening? Why is David a man after God's own heart? So David has the spirit of God up on him, and it's causing David to do things that are unusual, <laughs> that people are not used to seeing. So I want to look at some of those things that people are not used to seeing, and there's so many in the Word. So 1 Samuel 21, 3 through 6, we're going to go there, and we're going to read this one together. Hallelujah, I want to be a mold breaker. <laughs> all the time. David laid a work here actually for a mold to be broken. And when the Lord even talks about restoring back the tabernacle of David, guys, there are things we have that the Lord never intended for us to go backwards. He always intended for us to grab a hold of and continue to run forwards. Yes? Amen. So look at some unusual things that David did here. So David ate showbread which went before the Lord. And it was actually supposed to be like priests got to eat that stuff after it had been before the Lord, but not the common people. And I want you to see this. So 1 Samuel 21, 3 through 6. Now, therefore, what, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread. So David, oh, let me backstory. So David, he actually was running from Saul at this point. And he comes to one of the priests and he's like, me and my people were hungry. <laughs> These men who are with me were hungry, like we need something to eat. So this is what David is saying to the priest in this place. He says, now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there is only holy bread. If the young man have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. So David is like, it's no problem. <laughs> that bread, in effect, is actually common. David sees something here <laughs> that other people don't see. And Jesus tells us exactly what it was that David saw. So we're going to look at Mark 2, 25 through 27. You guys are so fast. But he, so Jesus is talking here, okay? And he says, but he, the Pharisees and people are interjecting, like the disciples ran through this town. It was on a Sabbath. They're picking some grain out with their hands. They're eating, eating, eating. And the Pharisees are like, this is not cool. Like what's happening here, okay? They're feeding themselves on the Sabbath. 
working, not just because they're feeding themselves, I'm sure they ate on the Sabbath, but they were working was the point that they wanted to make. And so this is Jesus's reply to them. And he said, but he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. David knew. (laughs) David knew his God. David actually knew the Lord's heart. This is why he's a man after his own heart. This is a picture of it. David actually knew the Lord's heart for the Lord in the holiest of holies, in the presence of God, to actually be edible, to be ingested by the common, everyday person. And David even said something to the priest that I think he probably didn't understand, saying this bread, in effect, is common. These people are consecrated. David knew who he was, and David knew his Lord, and David knew who was with him and the mission that they were on. And David had no problem with this. And Jesus is actually telling the people, I'm telling you, David knew. David knew something that you people still do not know. I love that picture. Okay, so here's another thing about David knew. So this is actually about the ephod. (laughs) I love it. So 1 Samuel 30, 7 through 8. So Ron actually talked about this story just a little bit, and I want to go back to this place here. So 1 Samuel 37 and 8, and it says, Then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, we'll go with that, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the... um, Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the true? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them. Without fail, recover all. Amen? So I love this picture there, though, of the ephod. I want to talk about that for a second. An ephod's like a linen garment that priests wore. What did David ask for? He is not a priest. He's not from the tribe of Levi. (laughs) What did David ask for? He asked for it. He said, give me that garment. Give me that priesthood. I'm going to put that on because I can. The spirit of God is on me. I know who my Jesus is for that is coming. I know my God. I know he's for me. I can partake of him. I can go into holies of holies, not technically at that point, but in his heart. So you guys see why David, this is another piece, like David was a man after God's own heart. There was much to come still through the Savior. But God was saying at this place with David, David, I'm teaching you things. I'm I'm shaking up the mold. I'm breaking down how my people are coming to me. I'm going to do things through you. You're going to say yes to me. It's going to require a bold obedience. It's going to require a sacrifice. It's going to require you doing things that other people do not understand. Who's okay with that? I'm okay with that. (laughs) I don't need you to understand. If my God has told me, then I will understand with him what he has told me to do, and then boldly I will go do it. I'm okay with being a mold breaker, yeah? This earth needs a lot of breaking of things that the enemy has set in place, but authority has been given to us to be able to do that in Christ. I'm okay with it. We got to do it. So here's David. He's got this picture. He's like, give me the ephod. It's no problem. I'll put it on. So fast forward even a little bit more. So 2 Samuel 6, 14, David, he does it again. (laughs) Now this is a picture of actually the, the ark getting ready to come in the Ark of the Covenant that is hosting the presence of God. And it says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So here we go again. (laughs) David's like, it's no problem. Give me the priestly garment. I'm going to put it on. I know whose I am, and I know what he has called me to. So I'm going to do it. Yes? Amen. So I love those pictures. So David was a person who he dropped formality with God. There was formality that was dropping in this place. He partook of the bread as being worthy. He partook of the greater identity of a priesthood with the ephod as being worthy. 
David was understanding things about the Lord that other people were not understanding, but the Lord was using David. David's like, um, he's like a prophetic picture of so much to come. And it made many, many things happen through the life of David that rocked the boat for many people. But David's name keeps getting referenced throughout the word of God in the New Testament. God was shifting things in that place. I love it. I'm like, thank you, Father. I'm beginning to see. Okay, so it's time to get the ark. I want to talk about the ark here for a minute. So David's now king, and he wants to go get the ark because the tabernacle that David is setting up for the Lord, it's actually empty. And David has a hunger within him for the presence of God to be established for the common everyday person. There's something that's going on here that's different if you haven't thought about it. I actually just learned some new things studying. So the tabernacle was empty without the presence of God, and David had a heart to actually bring the presence of God into this place. He do, David knew that everyone should have access. David knew it held blessing. David contended to see it come to the people. And we know actually that Saul did not have a heart to do this. So I just want to stop in that place. The people put Saul as king because they wanted a king. What did God say? I will make for myself a king. I'll make for myself one. Y'all, Saul was not it. (laughs) Let me show you what this is actually supposed to be like. Let me give you a glimpse and a picture of my heart. I love it. Oh, the Lord was like rocking me with this. So I want to talk about a couple things about bringing in the ark. So first of all, we all know he didn't do it right the first time. (laughs) And someone actually touched the presence of God, touched the ark of the covenant, and it caused death to happen to them because the reality is we were still under an old covenant. But I want to show you something about what was actually happening there too, is that David didn't commission for everybody and all the right people and how to bring it in. Chronicles tells us that version of it, that David didn't actually go to and consult the Lord about the order of which it should be brought in. So what's actually happening is they make a cart. We all know from the word already, the the Ark of the Covenant was not intended to be carried by an ark. It was intended to be carried by priests. The presence of God was always intended to be carried by priests. What are we? (laughs) The presence of God, I'm going to say it again, it was always intended to be carried by priests. That's who I am, because the word of God says it. (laughs) That's who I am now. But David, oh, he's so hungry. He's so hungry to see the right things of God be done. So even though he kind of messed it up there, I love this picture too, okay? So like, uh, what's his name, Uzzah or something? He dies, okay? So dead because he touched it. And so they set it all down. And David, he actually doesn't inquire of the Lord. He asks a question like, how am I supposed to get this thing in, you know? And so he walks away from it. He leaves in someone else's house. And I'm like, what on earth? But listen, someone runs to David three months later and says, David, their house is being blessed. And David's like, oh, we got to go get it. That's right. That's right. We got to go get it. We need the presence of God. So I love that, that picture even for us that we can have moments and be like, oh, I'll set something down. I wasn't supposed to set down. The presence of God is not something we should ever stop contending for or we should ever walk away from or we should ever set down. Okay, so like, so David is seeing this and he's like, blessings. I need blessings in my kingdom. I need blessings in the city of David. I got to go get it and come bring it in because it isn't just for me. It's because this is what is due honor and glory to the name of God. I know him. That's right, God. Thank you. I know you. I know you. Let me go back. Let me go get it. This time he rallies everyone. It is wild actually to look at it's in, it's in Chronicles, go into, y'all can go look it up. It is wild to actually look and see who all David brought. Because, I mean, there was like doorkeepers for the ark. I mean, there were like people in position everywhere. There was a host of people that it was like, these are the right people. 
And so, but then all of them, so when all of the priests and the people from the tribe of Levi, when they all were together and they all are ready and they're all going to carry it in, there was loads of them in position. And so I love it. So here it comes. So here comes the ark of God and they're bringing it in. And this is actually where a reposturing went on, on David's heart. From the first time he tried to bring in the presence of God to the second time that he brought in the presence of God. Like he was in a repentant place. <laughs> I guarantee that where he said, Father, like we need to go higher. Father, I need to put you at the highest place. There's no halfway doing it. There's no middle ground. It's either all or nothing. It's either everything that you said or it's not coming at all. And so David said, okay, so let's do it. So here they get the caravan of people and they're bringing it in. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Second Chronicles 5.2, 5, we're not going to go there, but it says, Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and minister before him forever. So this is so important for us to actually see because they're priests again. That We have to see this picture as new covenant believers, that they are priests. They were the ones called to carry it in, and they were the ones to call to minister before him forever. And David knew it. But the thing is, is because God is revealing himself in his heart through David. Again, David's doing unusual things right here that people are like, I don't know why he's doing it. And sometimes I read things and I'm like, I don't know how he lived. <laughs> I think that sometimes I'm like, he, he lived through it. It's like David knew, but remember who the spirit of God was on him? Do we have moments that we believe that God is calling us to do things where we might go, I don't know how I'm going to live through this. And God's like, it's no problem. You be obedient. You do what I've told you to do. My spirit is upon you. And so be obedience is what I require of you. Yes, amen. Okay, so I want to talk about 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 23. Such a beautiful picture. And let me just, let me back up, before I read this verse really fast, let me back up and say just a couple things about what was happening when the ark was being carried in the second time, okay? The Lord helped them, the word said. The Lord helped them. So they went, he wasn't helping them the first time, just so we all know. <laughs> David was doing it, and he was doing it wanting to honor the Lord. But now in the second place of the priests carrying in the presence of God, the Lord helped them do it. There was joy upon them in the doing of it. They brought a willing sacrifice, and there was a boldness of dancing that went on in the doing of it. So good. Okay, so let's read 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 23. Oh, I love this. <laughs> okay, so the ark has actually come in already in this place. Okay, so I want you to see something that's going on between David and his wife, Mikkel. We've heard about this story. She did not like his undignified dancing that went on. But I want to look at this story, okay? Oh, I relate, I relate to this. My husband does not give me a hard time about any undignified dancing that I do. So I am so thankful for that. But it's, but it's true, though. Couldn't he be like, what is that woman doing now. <laughs> but he doesn't, you know, but he does him with the Lord. And I was there. I was there when the breakthrough was happening in worship for my husband. I was there when it went from this place to hey, hey, two of my faces on the ground. That's fun. Come on, if I think that's fun, how do you think the Lord thinks about it? Come on, it's a sweet, sweet place to just get free before the Lord, okay? It begins in here, in here. Just let the Lord do this whole, like, heart work. Get past, past this. Let it all be here. And just be like, I'm going to move something. <laughs> I'm going to move something, okay? So 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 23. So, so they have now brought it in. 
and uh, David's having to deal with his wife about what has happened here. So then David returned to bless his household. Now, come on, look at what he's trying to do. He knew that there was blessing in the presence of God. He knew that they had brought the ark in, and he's here saying, bless my household. This is it. Blessings upon us. Oh, his poor wife. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious, I'm going to do it sarcastically because I know that's what she did. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base. Base fellows as one of the lowly. You uncovered yourself as one of the dirty, rotten, lowly scum that are serving you. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I can hear her. Who do you think you are? Oh, you're so awesome. Can you imagine what the Lord is thinking in this? He has got to be like, oh, everybody watch. Watch what David's going to do. Everybody gather around. This is going to be good right here. She's laid it out, and David's got something to say. Okay, so listen to what David says. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay, did I finish reading it? Oh, base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So that was the end of that verse. Um, so David said to Mikael, I don't even know if that's how you say her name. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play. I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this. It will humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. God knew what heritage he was setting up, what lineage he was setting up for his son. And he looked at her and said, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. But come on, David. He's like, I will. Watch me. <laughs> I know who the Lord chose. It was not your father's house. Your father did not have the heart of the Lord, but I will. I will have the, the heart of the Lord. So you think that was something? Listen, wife, hold on, because I will be even more undignified than this. Come on. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about this picture really quick here about the tabernacle of David versus Moses. So these two tabernacles, if you did not know, were in existence at the same time. Okay, and they were not that far from each other either. So Moses's was a heavenly picture that was happening, that the Lord clearly instructed at great detail of how things and the presence of God should be set up. But the Lord was allowing something different to happen here with David in the presence of God. The Lord was allowing and ministering to David's heart about the presence of God and how to come bring it in and set it up. So while Moses's tabernacle was there, did not have the Ark of Covenant in it at that time. David built a tabernacle of praise, and he established the Ark of the Covenant in that place. This is powerful for us to actually see this. David's tabernacle brought joy and love and worship in a place that desired for the Lord to make his home among the people and no longer be separated by a veil. David's tabernacle was surrounded by musicians and a prophetic picture of the availability of God, free worship before the Lord for all. Moses' tabernacle existed, but David spoke to the picture of more. There was more that was actually happening here. And I want to go into another point here really quick with you about what God was establishing because this is so true for us. I'm going to speed up a little bit in some of this stuff, but it's, but it's so good. So God established David's house and David's seed forever. God wanted to build a temple. Um, or I'm sorry, David, he actually wanted to build a temple, but God actually told him no. So this was a tabernacle that David set up, like a tent, okay? So he sets up like a tabernacle. It's really actually, it was really informal compared to what Moses 
tabernacle was actually set up and existed at that time. But David had a heart to want to actually build um, a place for the Lord. And so, so listen to this part of what he does. So David wanted to build a temple, but God actually told him no. So that's in 2 Samuel 7. And then actually Nathan the prophet is involved here at this moment with David, and he's having conversation with David. Um, and Nathan's saying back to David, David, the Lord hears some conversation you're having with him about wanting to build a temple for him. But David, this is what the Lord would say to you. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple verses of what's happening here. So we're not going to look all of it up. Um, you guys can get 2 Samuel 7, 28 through 29, but just don't put it up yet, okay? And we'll have that one ready. Um, so there's a picture here. Like, so in verse 5, you know, Nathan's saying to David that you said to the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? So the Lord's saying back to David, would you build a house for me to dwell in? But that's not actually what he wants because the Lord continues to go on about how the Lord and the presence of God moved around with the children of Israel. Okay, so it actually wasn't actually what David in that generation, what the Lord was asking for David to do. So listen to what the Lord says to him. In verse 11, it actually says, David, you're saying to me that you want to build me a temple. And I'm saying to you, I'm going to build you a house. That's actually was the Lord's response to David, is I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to establish you. I'm establishing a lineage here, David. You're a man after my own heart. So you're worried about the, the higher thing with this beautiful, glorious temple happening for me. And I, I believe that was totally honoring to the Lord. But there's first things first. What God is saying to him, you want that for me, and I'm telling you that I'm going to establish and build a house for you. And I love that picture. Then let's read 2 Samuel 7, 28 through 29. And here is David's response to the Lord of wanting to establish David's house. And now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Here is David saying, so be it unto me. Whatever you've said, that's what I'm going to line up with. But I want you to see a couple more pieces here because I want to talk about this, this kind of this nugget right here. And, and this is where we're going to head into some closing. I mean, not for a few minutes still, but this is just kind of where we're going to head. But it's about a, an establishing of what the Lord is doing within us, within our house. But it's about generations. So God is a generational God, <laughs> And sometimes we can get stuck into thinking about this box right, right here of me and mine and ours and my house. But God is a generational God. He has been doing a work upon the earth for a very long time. And he has a plan. And part of his plan is for us to come and specifically about worship and obediently and boldly come and lay everything and be in his presence with him. And I, I love that picture, but God is a generational God. In other words, decisions and choices that we're making, they're affecting more than us. And we need to know that. So David had a picture of this. <laughs> so David laid up for Solomon, who did actually then build the temple. I'm just going to read this verse to you, so just listen, because you guys don't have this one back there. It's in 1 Chronicles 22.5. And now David said, Solomon, my son, is young. He's inexperienced, and the, house, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. David was preparing for his son, for an even greater thing to continue to unfold. That's a beautiful generational God. So then look at what Solomon does. We are going to look at this one together. So this is 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 6. 
So Solomon builds a temple. It's all happened. It's being consecrated. This is like an anointing part of the day that is unfolding of them actually going in to this place. The temple is beautiful. I can imagine it. (laughs) So when Solomon is finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. It had moved. (laughs) Like it has filled the house. There wasn't even room. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good and for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls. Do you think your sacrifice costs something? Somebody find me 22,000 bulls. Offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. (laughs) So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God, and the priests attended to their services, and the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which King David had made to praise the Lord, saying, for his mercies endure forever. Whenever David, whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. Oh, what a beautiful picture of praising the Lord. And David, he saw more than just him. He saw there is a shift. There's a shift going on, Father, and I will say yes. You establish it. And I'm going to lay up for those coming after me, for the greater and the greater and the greater continue to unfold. It's so good. So here's something I want to just kind of throw at you. And I'm going to go into the last couple few minutes here. Um, I keep saying that. Just ignore it when I say that. Just let me keep going. (laughs) Will, Will we be a generation that lives with bold obedience to put the Lord at the highest place and worship him with everything that we have, will we lay up for our children? I went to a conference last year, and I did not expect what was going to happen in that place. And part of the ministry that went on in that place, there was, there was a picture of batons being passed. And um, I, I remember posturing and saying before the Lord, even though I didn't actually understand what I was saying, sometimes our yeses are because the Lord's asking us to posture. We don't fully know what's going to be on the other side of it. I did not, I did not understand what was going to come with that yes. But I reached and I grabbed it and I said, I'll generationally take everything that my mother did not get to finish and I will surpass her and I will do it by the strength of the Lord. That was my heart. And I went, I got it. You know when you're racing and people are passing batons, you got to get in pace. You got to get in pace. They can't hand it back to somebody who ain't there. (laughs) And the Lord is doing such a work in me. And over actually the last year, the Lord has unfolded such a beautiful picture of what he has shown my mom. And last night, my dream had to do with what he was showing me. I said, I grabbed it, I'll have it, and I'm going to (laughs) run. I'm going to run. I'm going to say what my mom said about my siblings. I'm going to say what my mom said about my family. I'm going to say, and it it went from that place of I'm going to say everything that the Lord was saying about us that he showed her to, I'm going to say what the Lord is showing me. I'm going to say what he showed her, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say what he showed her, and I'm going to say more. That's a baton passing. I'm like, I'm going to do that. (laughs) I love that picture. And I hold to that prophetically because I deal with stuff like all of us. Are all my ducks in a row? No. No. No, all the ducks are not in a row. When you see one of my messy ducks running around, just be like, it's okay. Katie's still got the baton in her hand and the Lord's doing a thing there. That's what we should do with each other. The Lord is doing a thing in that person and in you. It's no problem. 
to, can actually, there is a phrase that my brother has ingrained into my head. It's no problem. Who says that? He's seen my biggest messes. That's the heart of a father. To look at you and say, you are not disqualified. It is no problem. I would have quit a long time ago if he didn't say to me, it's no problem. I'm just telling you the truth. He was messaging me this morning. Why? Because in a lot of ways, my brother loves me like a father. There's, there's this other position and anointing on his life to speak into me like a father. Anyway, okay. But I want to tell you something about my father, my natural. Well, I'm telling you a lot of big things about my earthly father, but let me tell you a little tidbit here about my, my earthly father. Well, I'm telling you about my heavenly father. This is my earthly father. So my dad, um, he wrote children's worship music when we were young, and he wrote a song called O-B-E-Y. Obey. <laughs> and I can just like hear it going off in my head. And so I'm going to sing a little part for you. They're, the Donut Man years ago picked this up, okay, and they produced it. But the catch was it, it grieved my dad a little bit because they took two verses and they didn't do the third one. The first two verses were about children obeying their parents. The third one was about children obeying the Lord. So let me just sing this to you. When you go to children's church, worshiping the Lord, clap your hands, shout real loud, dance up on the floor. The Bible says to worship God, and we know it's true. Obedience is very good for you. And the Lord, last week when Kent was up here and he was talking about hearts awakening, I was just on my face before the Lord, and all of a sudden that whole verse was playing in my head. And the Lord was like, let me talk to you about your lineage. Let me talk to you about things that your parents saw broke off and things I told them and what they were speaking and prophesying and saying over you as a young child. You wonder why I clap my hands and shout real loud and dance up on the floor? I came out that way. <laughs> my dad laid up for it. He laid up for it. My mom laid up for it. But I want to encourage you with something here. Okay, so wait, let me tell you another piece. Stay in that place where they laid out for it. But I want to tell you another piece. I was at that same conference, and I had a vision for the first time of my mom. And I was, I was on my knees, and I was in worship, and I look over, and there she is. The interesting thing is she was like my age. And she looks back at me and she says, this, this is what it's all about. That's all she said to me. And she was talking about worshiping the Lord. We were in the throne room of God and we were worshiping the Lord. And she said, this, this is what it's all about. And I said, thank you, Father. Thank you so much. There's a picture of just my parents even laying up. But I want to say something to you really quick about Hezekiah and this king. Hezekiah, he did not come from a father. I'm just going to boogie past this. You guys can like look all this up on later on your own. Hezekiah didn't come from um, a father that was serving the Lord. Hezekiah's father actually shut up the house of the Lord and, and like locked the doors. When Hezekiah came into reign as king at 25 years old, 25, and in the first year of his reign, he opened the doors to the house of the Lord he tore down the high, the high places. High places going out are places where people are worshiping and putting other things above God. There are other idols and other places of worship and sacrifice. He tore down the high places and he brought everybody back into the feasts with the Lord. At 25 years old, and the work happened so much that the Lord, he made a singleness of heart because of the obedience with the people, this is all in the word. He made a singleness of heart because of the people and their obedience. And the Lord did a work suddenly. That's what the word says. There was suddenly a thing going on because everything was happening so fast. And I want to encourage you that with whatever lineage you came from, Hezekiah didn't come from an earthly father that was worshiping and putting the Lord at the highest place. But Hezekiah determined in his heart it's all going to change with me. 
It's all going to change with me and mine. And then you know what Hezekiah was known as? A son of David. The word says a son of David. He wasn't actually a son of David, but yet he was a son of David. (laughs) Because Hezekiah was actually saying, my heart too. That's my father who did that thing. And I'll be known as a son of David too. I totally love that picture. Okay, so if the worship team wants to come up, we're actually going to go back into a place of worship. And I'm going to leave you guys here, though, with about three more verses while they're kind of getting ready. The word says about us now that we are true worshipers. So let's look at John 4, 23 and 24. As we get ready to go into worship, I want you to to think about these last kind of three verses that we're going to look at. And I want you to understand things that David was laying up for and a prophetic picture of that is ours. That is ours now. So in John 4, 23 through 24, this is Jesus speaking. And this is actually after the story of the woman of the well. I think it's fun that this is what's coming next. (laughs) But the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. I am so thankful that I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. Yes, and here's the thing I'm going to say to you about this is don't quench the spirit. Don't. There's an obedience and a deeper place that the Lord's asking for people to go into and worship with him because he understands what happens when you surrender and lay everything down. He understands. Not only is honor brought to his name, but there's a work, there's a transfer of what happens with all of us when we go into this place of worship with the Lord. So quenching the spirit looks like putting the fire out. Quenching the spirit looks like the Lord's asking me to move, shuffle, do something different, do something different. But more than in this moment, it looks like not choosing to make the Lord at the highest place in all that we're doing. A lifestyle of worship before the Lord. This is just a beautiful picture of what happens when we corporately come together, which we saw much of what David contended for, a corporate worship. But it began intimately in his own heart with the Lord. And that's how, from that intimate place, it turned into more. We want this intimate place with the Lord so that it turns into the more. It turns into the thing that other people get to eat of and partake of. This is, this is the more from this intimate place with the Lord. Hebrews 4, 16, and I'm just going to go. They may not have time to pull everything up, but it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. David knew this, y'all. <laughs> he did. He knew this. He said, I'm going to come boldly into the throne because I'm going to find grace and I'm going to find mercy and boy do I seem to have some trouble around me (laughs) so he said but it's no problem my God has given me an invitation in and remember the spirit of God was upon David so what David was simply doing in obedience was responding to truth responding to truth because the spirit of God was upon him this is the last verse I'm going to read so 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation. (laughs) A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you, here's the why, here's the why, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. I love it. I will. (laughs) I will. I will. 
Like that, that's the response. I'm, I'm just telling you guys, there is a shift going on. I do things in worship that it is, it is spirit to spirit because my flesh could say that's redonkulous. <laughs> I love that word. My flesh could say that. My flesh could, my flesh has even said, I do not understand what all this is. I do not understand why I look like I am conducting a symphony right now. I do not, I'm, I'm being real with you. I do not understand, but I will not quench the spirit. The spirit of God is upon me and I am a true worshiper and I will worship him in spirit and in truth. I will say yes, it is mine. I am his chosen. I am a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I will. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.